Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message, Forgiven Much, continues the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. Very good, thank you. We're going to ask you to take your Bibles. Let's look in the Gospel of Luke. We've been studying in Luke. We're going to be back to chapter 7. We're picking up in verse 38. So uh, Luke chapter 7. And today, we're talking about being forgiven much. Being forgiven much. Luke chapter 7. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually, I'm going to start with verse 36. And then we'll get down to verse 38, okay? So it said, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in that city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, then verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man... If he were really a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman that is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they had nothing which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore... Which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one he gave, he forgave more. And he said to him, You've rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and her, on her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with a fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who can even forgive sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And let's have prayer. Lord, would you bless this time? Help us to continue to grow in your wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for this opportunity. And I just give you thanks again for each one that's here. We ask your blessings. Speak to us and be honored. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there was once a woodpecker that was out and he was pecking on a telephone pole. Thunderstorm came up. And a lightning bolt hit that telephone pole, and when it did, it just split it right in two. That woodpecker flew off, and in a little while, there was a bunch of woodpeckers that came with it. It was this that woodpecker was saying, look what I did. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes we get full of pride thinking that we've accomplished something. And I think in some ways, you've got Simon here. In this passage of Scripture, he's a Pharisee, and this is his town. He has a lot of authority, and Jesus has come in. And so he's invited Jesus to be able to come over. And one thing, it was sure draw a crowd. Now, in those days, 
it wouldn't be unusual at all. They didn't have television. They didn't have a lot of entertainment for somebody like Simon to have somebody over his house. And they would have a courtyard, and people would gather around from all over. They wouldn't interrupt, but they would gather around and listen and be entertained. Maybe learn something. And so Simon had invited Jesus to come over, and certainly it would draw a crowd. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is why would Simon want Jesus to come over? Now, is it just because he wanted a crowd? Is it because he wanted to be able to control the situation? You know, if he has them over at your house, then you kind of are in control of what's taking place. You kind of make a statement of even how you feel about Christ. Because what we're going to see is there's certainly a lot of things he left off. Let's give him a benefit of the doubt. Because some people might say, Brother Jim, you don't know Simon's heart. He might really be interested in what Jesus had to say. And we also know that there's other people there. So there's probably some other Pharisees that are there. And so Simon knows that they're really skeptical of Jesus. And so it could be that he's just kind of ashamed to be able to get real close to Christ. I mean, he doesn't want them to think, you know, I'm real buddies with Christ, but I do want him to come and be able to listen because I'm curious about Jesus. Well, it's got to be one of those things because let's take a look at Simon of what he left off. He certainly invited Jesus to come and Jesus shows up and there's a crowd. Now, when you show up, you come in, and they sit on the ground. They didn't have shoes like we'd had, and their roads weren't like ours, and so your feet were always exposed. So if you're sitting with somebody, and their feet is close by, and they're just filthy, it's kind of hard to eat, kind of ruins the, the meal. So one of the first things they do when you come to a meal like that is they'll have some water to pour over your feet and, to, and so a towel to dry them. Well, Simon neglected Jesus. Now, there's other Pharisees, and I'm sure they were servants there that would help to clean their feet. But Jesus, he was neglected. His feet were not washed. Now, what's that say? Not only was Jesus' feet not washed, but we learn, now we learn that from verse 44. Verse 45, we learn that Jesus, not only, he did not receive a kiss. Now you may think, well, that's odd. But in those days, when you greet someone, you would greet them with a kiss on the cheek. It would be like shaking hands. It would just be like acknowledging someone's presence, saying hello to them. Now, if I invited you to my house and I never shook your hand, or I, I didn't smile, at least greet you and say hello. You say, now was I supposed to come or not? <laughs> so he neglected the kiss. And then we also learn in verse 46, he also neglected to be able to anoint Jesus. And this says, oh, but it's, it's really like perfume. And see, what happened is, in those days, if you had somebody really special, you didn't do this always, but if it was somebody really special, a VIP, then you would anoint them with this perfume, and it would just 
everybody just smelling that would say, oh, we got somebody really special. And it would last for a few days. And so when that person the next day is walking around in town and they smell that, they're like, oh, yeah, that's the VIP. That's the guy that's special. We really want to listen to him and pay attention. But they didn't do that with Jesus. He neglected all of those things. So let me ask you again. Why did he invite Jesus? Was he trying to just to draw a crowd? Was he trying to make a statement? I'm the one that's really in control. Wait, what, what is he doing? Let me ask you something. You invite Jesus to be Lord, to be in charge of your life. Are you ashamed? I mean, maybe he was just ashamed because the other Pharisees are there. I don't want to be close to Christ. When you take Jesus with you to school, you take him with you to work. Are you ashamed to mention his name? Are you ashamed? Huh? Ashamed to be able to talk about what he's doing, about your morals, about the things that you believe. We can be pretty hard on Simon, but we need to ask ourselves, am I like him? We actually get a glimpse of Simon's thoughts because something peculiar happens. And when Jesus shows up, a lot of times some strange things take place. And so here, we're told that a lady shows up. Now, it doesn't say much as far as giving her a description. By the way, this is not Mary Magdalene. And this is not the same incident with Lazarus' sister Mary. This is a different incident. So this lady shows up. And basically, the Bible tells us, in verse 37, it said, Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. That's all it really says. She was a sinner. Now, when you state it like that, you kind of get the idea, this is a polite way of being able to say, this lady is probably a prostitute. So she's a sinner. And she's pretty well known. Because Simon himself, he, when he's thinking just a little bit, we're going to see, he's thinking, he said, uh, if he knew, if he is a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman she is. Simon knew. She was well known in town. So this woman, is a she shows up. And she comes at Jesus' feet and she begins to, to weep. Kiss his feet, and she lets her hair down. And by the way, when you let your hair down, in those days, in the Talmud, it's a Jewish document, it says it's grounds for divorce. If she was married, that would be grounds. If you put your hair down, a woman in public that's married, that'd be grounds for divorce. You didn't do that. Well, here she's done that. And in those days, in public... Men and women didn't talk, and they certainly didn't touch. And so Simon, there is no way that he would let her in his house. And here she comes in to this dinner, and she's now at Jesus' feet. He's just taken back by all of this. A woman like that, to touch her or be close to her, he would consider, if you did that, you would be unclean. And here's Jesus. And so he begins, we get his thoughts. And so if you will go down to the end of verse 39, he's speaking about Jesus. He says, this man, Jesus, 
if he was really a prophet. See that? See, a real prophet would know what kind of woman this is. And a real prophet would not put up with this. She's a prostitute. You wouldn't let her get close to you. And so he's beginning to have these thoughts. Hmm. Then he begins to think, you know, a real prophet would stand up and tell that woman to stop it and to get up and to go. He'd put her in her place. And so here's his thought then. Jesus must not really be a prophet. Well, that sets us up then with Jesus. Because Jesus is going to respond. Now, here's the thing that we know about Jesus. He knows your thoughts. He knows the things that's going on in your mind. In fact, Christ knows what you're thinking right now. He knows all of your thoughts. He knows what's happening. He knows if you're siding with the Pharisee. He knows what's going on. And so, Jesus, in response, He's going to give Simon some lessons, really, about Himself. So, Jesus begins to speak like a parable. A parable is like a story. Simple, but it tells us a pointed truth. Tells us a point of truth. And so Jesus is there to speak a parable, a truth. By the way, let me tell you something about a prophet. You know, a prophet is a person that whenever they speak, they speak truth. Whenever a prophet speaks, a prophet is speaking on behalf of God, telling us the truth. And a lot of times, a real prophet knows, it seems like, knows where we're at. And is speaking God's word for a direct, specific situation. As a real prophet. Well, Jesus shares a parable, and parables can be effective. A story can be effective. Remember Nathan? When he was confronting David with sin, he first tells him about, hey, we've got a fellow here that uh, was going to throw a party. He's got plenty of animals, sheep that he could kill, but instead of taking one of his, he takes one from a person that only had one. It was their only one. They loved that sheep, and they went and they took their little lamb, and they killed that lamb. And David said, well, that's not right. And he's mad. And then Nathan says, well, you know, you're the person. You're the one that's guilty. So Jesus is telling the story to be able to point, make a point with Simon. He said, Simon, we've got two, two debtors. One owns 500 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage. So if you owe 500 denarii, that's 500 days. That's a year and a half. You think about what you make in a year and a half. That's how much debt this person was in. The other person is 50 days. 50 days, that's about two months. That's about two months worth of your salary. Two months. He said, well, neither one of them can pay the debt. So the creditor just said, you know, I'm going to forgive it. And Jesus just asked a simple question. Who's going to love that creditor more? So he thinks about it. And he said, well, it's going to be the one that owes the most. And Jesus said, you've said right. You've judged right. It makes sense. Do you follow what we're saying? Doesn't that make sense? The person that owes for 500 days has been forgiven. Whew! What a relief. Jesus said, that's right. And then he points out, that's this woman. You get the story? She's been forgiven much. 
forgiven much. Apparently, she's heard Jesus before. Maybe it was earlier in the day. And we can learn, you put, start putting things together, that what Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 11, and you know, in chapter 11, I think it's verse 28, Jesus shares a verse where he says, Come unto me. Remember that verse, Matthew 11? Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You ever carried a burden? You ever carried a load? And it just weighted you down? You ever just been guilty? Sin, your past, just coming back and back. She hears the message. And she finds forgiveness and peace. Here's a woman that's a prostitute that's just enslaved in sin, trapped in sin. There's no way out. And she's been rescued. Jesus said, that's what's happened today. See, here's what Simon, Jesus had a reputation. His reputation was being a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. It's not that Jesus condones sin or is trying to promote sin. It's just the opposite. But Jesus loves sinners because he's helping people out of sin. And I love the fact that in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And here's what he tells his disciples. He said, you know what? I'm not calling you servants. I'm calling you friends. And no greater love of anyone than to lay down their life for their friends. We talk about veterans laying down their lives. Jesus laid down his life. He said, I'm calling you friends. When you know Christ, he's the best friend you'll ever have. That's why I tell you, the best decision I ever made was giving my life to Jesus Christ, because there's no greater friend than him. Billy Graham, he said, he said this, he said, once many years ago, he said, I was just going through a very dark period in my life. He said, I prayed, I prayed. And he said, it just seemed like heaven was closed. He said, I felt as if God had just disappeared. He said, I was all alone with my trial and with my burden. It was a very dark time in my life. And he said, and I wrote my mother. Can I tell you this? Sometimes the very best theologians <laughs> is godly moms. He said, I wrote my mother and I told her just those very words that I shared with you. His mother wrote back, and I'm going to quote. His mother sent him a letter back and she said, son, there are many times when God withdraws to test your faith. He wants you to trust Him in the darkness. Now, son, reach up by faith in the fog, and you'll find that His hand is there. Billy Graham said, In tears, I knelt by my bed, called out to God, and he said, and I experienced an overwhelming sense of God's presence. And I knew the truth. Hebrews 13, 5, that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend. He's a friend to sinners. He becomes their friend. He forgives them. He helps them. And he's a friend that you never leave. And you know that this lady, this day, she was putting herself on the line. But guess what? Jesus is a friend, and he was taking up for her. That was the stunning thing. Simon is expecting condemnation of her. Mm -mm. 
Jesus is taking up, he's a friend to sinners. He's not just a friend of sinners, he's a person that forgives. Jesus forgives. And he forgives much sin. This woman, what's going on, what she's happening with her is she has been forgiven much and she knows it. And so she responds because she's forgiven. I'll tell you what Jesus is doing. He's also making it known he really is a prophet. He is exposing. He knows what Simon's, what's going on in his heart. Jesus is a prophet. He's more than a prophet, though. He's more than just a spokesman of God. He is God. He's God. He's the Son of God. And so Jesus knows. It's a lesson for us. It's a lesson for Simon. But Simon wasn't just getting a lesson from Jesus. He was getting a lesson that day from this woman. A woman that had been forgiven much. You see, Jesus noticed all the things that Simon neglected. See, don't think that you're playing games with God. Okay, I'm pretending like on Sunday that I love God. And then on Monday, you can't play games with God. He notices the things that's going on in our lives and what we're doing. And so he points out to Simon, Simon, all the things that you neglected. You didn't wash my feet. But guess what she's done? She's not stopped her tears. She let down her hair. Simon, she's doing the, she's cleaned my feet, which you didn't do. She's not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't want to kiss me. You didn't want to greet me. She's not stopped. Simon, this is what forgiveness is. It's real worship. She has come and she's just worshiped. That's what she's doing. She's thanking me. See, many times we just don't realize how forgiven we are. We may not realize the seriousness of our sin. What, what our, our sin really means. The separation, the judgment that we deserve. But she realized it. And she was grateful and it led to true worship. She couldn't thank the Lord enough. You see, true worship leads you to be unashamed. You know what Paul said? He says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. To the Jew first, also the Greek, it is the power of God to save us, to change us. Paul understood that the gospel is what transformed people. So Paul wasn't ashamed. It didn't matter. He was willing to stand before Roman soldiers. He was, he was willing to stand and talk about Jesus in front of officials, even Caesar, even Nero himself. People that hated and put down Christianity, Paul didn't care. He was willing to stand before them. If it meant suffering, if it meant them laughing at him, making fun of him, he wasn't ashamed. This woman was not ashamed. I'm sure there's a lot of things in her past she was ashamed of. But she had found Christ, and she wasn't ashamed. And so here she is publicly, publicly letting people know that she's worshiping Christ. See, when you're unashamed, you have courage. Being unashamed leads you to having courage. And what she did was courageous. Don't think that she knew about Simon. 
and being a Pharisee. And showing up at his house, she would be condemned. She was taking a chance. If Jesus wasn't there, she would have been thrown out. She couldn't have stayed. It wouldn't have happened. What a courageous step of faith. Let me ask you something. You got courage? When you know Christ, when you realize what Christ has done to you, it impacts your life. And it'll help you to want to stand up for Him and create within you some courage. And He had courage. She had courage. That courage wants you, leads you to give your best. You know what she's done? She has brought the very best that she had, the most expensive thing she had, this perfume. She said, I'm just going to give the Lord my best. What do you, how do you say thanks to God? She's given her best. What have you been doing to honor God? She said, I just want to honor God. Here's the best thing that I've got. I'm going to come and I'm going to anoint Christ. He'd been neglected, but she's going to anoint him, put this smell, this perfume on him. And when people walk around, they're going to know for days that I've honored Christ. I've given him my all. When she let down her hair, she wasn't doing anything sexual. She was letting her hair down. And basically, you know what she's saying? I'm yours, Lord. I give you my all. I don't know what else I got to offer. But I just give you myself. I heard about a little boy that was in school. And he had been impacted by his teacher. And a good teacher, they'll impact your life. Am I right? We've got some. And they've done that. They've impacted people's life. And this little boy, his life was impacted. And he noticed that his teacher, she collected some seashells. And, and so they lived close to the ocean. It was about 20 miles. So he decided he was going to go get a seashell. So he walked 20 miles to the ocean to be able to get a seashell. He walked and he found the perfect one. It was beautiful. He came back. He walked back home another 20 miles. He went to school and gave that seashell to his teacher. And she was thrilled. She said, well, thank you. And then she began to realize what had taken place. And she said to him, Are you, do you mean to tell me that you walked 20 miles to be able to give me this? And that little boy said, that long walk is part of the gift. What is this lady saying? I found forgiveness. And coming in front of these people and doing this is part of the gift. Everybody's thinking that Jesus is going to explode and condemn her. Jesus knows her heart. He's saying this woman's been forgiven much. And then she's been touched and now she's thanking me. You see, Jesus makes a statement here and he says... He said, ma'am, your sins are forgiven. He's not making that statement because she's just now getting her sins forgiven. He's making that statement so Simon and all the Pharisees and everybody else that's watching, they can know. The reason she's done what she's done is because she's forgiven. She didn't do this stuff to be forgiven. She'd done it in reaction to the fact that she is forgiven. Here's the problem. You see, Simon did not recognize his own sin. He didn't recognize his own debt. 
He's not concerned about seeking forgiveness. And then maybe after this story, he got his attention and Simon recognized him. Maybe I do need to be forgiven, but he's got so much pride. So there's nothing written here that he ever got forgiveness. Now, today, the Lord's here. He's present. He's at work. Jesus is still willing to forgive. A person's willing to turn from their sin. They're willing to recognize that I went out of this sin. That's her. I hate this life. I went out of it. She comes to Christ in faith. She finds forgiveness. You can be like Simon. Ah, I can't do that. What's my buddy's going to say? No, I can't, I can't give up what I got. And he won't. There's no forgiveness. But this woman found it. And you can find it. Your life can be changed. And listen, you may not think that 50 denarii is much. That's a big debt. It couldn't be paid, and your debt can't be paid either. But Jesus Christ paid your sin debt. He paid it on the cross. Somebody might say, well, how do I know that I can be forgiven? All sin was paid for upon the cross. I want you to hear this. The very worst sinner, the most vilest, meanest, the nastiest person that you can think of can be forgiven. Their hearts can be clean. They can find Christ. The most immoral person. This lady found it. She found forgiveness. She'd never be the same. And she couldn't thank Christ enough. Whenever you find Him, you know it. He changes everything. And you can't stop thanking Him. Let's have prayer together. Lord, thank You so much for letting us study Your Word. May you help each of us, Lord, to rethink where we're at. Lord, there may be somebody here right now that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, and they know it. May this be the day, the day of salvation. May they find a relationship with you. May they begin this friendship and find the truest friend, the best friend they'll ever have.